0: Three Germanic tribes, I love history. Um, the more we get to know each other through the years here at New Hope, the more you'll realise that the pastor loves history. I have a history degree and it's the only study I ever did that I enjoyed. I, I I, think as I remember high school that history was the only class that I ever stopped and listened to. I didn't do very well at high school. But in history, whenever the history teacher and the history lesson would be on, I would just be enthralled. And so I'm going back into history to begin this Bible study. And there were three German Germanic tribes in the dying days of Rome. I'm talking about 500 years after Christ. You may have heard of these tribes. They were the Heruli, the Ostrogoths and the Vandals. Uh when I was a child some used to think that I actually belonged to the tribe the Vandals but the <laughs> i 'm not like that, am I although I must say when I, we were in a Wedgwood shop the other day, and Liska grabbed me and said don 't please don 't knock anything over <laughs> I, if you 're around me don 't have anything too precious because oh, I am a bit clumsy bumbling my mother calls me the bumbling professor i don 't know where she gets the professor thing, but I know where she gets the bumbling thing, but um, the heri, the Ostrogoths, and the vandals they were they were three really. Savage tribes, ferocious tribes, uh, big Germanic people with fierce warriors, and they were really a, a handful to Rome. Now, there was a name, a man, a missionary, he was born in 256 AD, lived to 336 AD, so in that vicinity. His name was Arian, and he taught a particular gospel, which we're going to look at in a moment. He was a follower of God and his as he taught his disciples, it was his disciples that went to these three tribes, the Heruli, the Ostrogoths and the Vandals. And they must have been brave men and women because these were pagan, ferocious tribes. I, I mean, these are... You know, sometimes you see these shows on television and you see these wild warriors. This is who they are, worshippers of Odin and and the pagan god into human sacrifice and, and more than a handful for the Roman Empire and her soldiers right throughout their history. The German tribes, the Germanic tribes were never easily brought under the yoke of Rome. But these missionaries who were disciples of Arian went out to these tribes and they converted them. There was an emperor in 530 AD, around about there, by the name of Justinian. Justinian was a Christian, but at this time he was a different sort of Christian than the Heroli, the Ostrogoths and the Vandals, those who followed Arian. And with his general Belsarius, and it's very interesting, for a number of reasons, but not the least, because there was a difference of theology and belief in God. Can you believe it? He sent his soldiers, his armies, to these three pagan tribes and he wiped them out. And when I say wiped out, I'm not talking about just defeated them in battle. I'm talking about genocide. Now, if you go to England today, the tribe that founded, you could say, that brought England as a modern day country into existence was the anglo The French, now they're still around. There's a lot of you probably sitting in here today that have Anglo-Saxon blood running. In fact, let's have a look. How many of you are British? Anglo-Saxon. Okay, British, British. You've probably got Anglo-Saxon blood somewhere running through you. Then there's a French. What tribe brought through the modern French nation, that great nation, France? The Franks. And so the ancestors of the Franks are still around. Um what about the Portuguese? Let's we'll see how good you are. Huh? Suvai What about have a guess what I am? Grollemund. This is how you say it. Grolimund. No, I'm not German. Burgundian. That's what I am. What's a Burgundian? They're the mightiest people in all the world. The wisest and the Swiss. My background's in Switzerland. But if you try and find any descendants of the Herali, the Ostrogoths, the Vandals, they're just not there. And they were destroyed for a number of reasons, but I said not the least because they had a theological difference with Justinian, Belsarius, his general, and the Roman Empire and the Roman Church. And what was that difference? Well, I'll tell you what it is. Now listen to this carefully because this is the, the crux of what I'm going to talk about today. Firstly, they believe that Jesus is the literal Son of God. Do we believe that? Who was either brought forth or created? Do we believe that? Well, that's the first thing they believed. The second thing they believed, amongst other things, of course, and we have a lot of things in common with them, as did the Church of Rome back then. But the second thing is they believed that the Holy Spirit is not an entity. He is not a person. He is just a force. And so because of that, and as I say, a couple of other reasons, these three mighty peoples were completely wiped out it was genocide and there is no sign today of their descendants they were exterminated as surely as any nation in the history of the world ceased to exist the vandals lived in north africa there's no sign of the vandals who were a germanic people today in north africa but history says they're there and we can go to their cities and see them broken down and see their ruins They cease to exist. The descendants though the spiritual descendants of the Heroli, of the Ostrogoths, of the Vandals, the spiritual descendants of Arian. are now see if you recognise some of these movements. Um, Unitarians. Latter-day Saints. Who are they? The Mormons. Uh, The Jehovah Witnesses. And this is where it gets serious. Some, it's a minority and a small minority, but some Seventh-day Adventists. And there's a reason that some Seventh-day Adventists and in our church, and I'm sharing with this, this message with you early because I think you need to know it. There's a reason why some Seventh-day Adventists are caught still in this Arian apostasy. Can I call it that? Even though I haven't proved it yet, I will. There's a reason why, because the early Adventist church, Do you know when the Adventist church began? Does anybody know? But when it began, what year? I can tell you what year we began. Do you know? Yeah, 1863. I was born in 1963, so when the church began, I I wasn't 100 years old. The church was. (laughs) So the church now is 151 years old. But the early early Adventist church was semi-Aryan. And what do I mean by that? Well, they believe that Jesus was the son of, the literal son of God, that he was divine, that he was God himself, but they believe that he was brought forth and he was, I I don't like to use the word created because they don't like it. He was brought forth. So he was brought forth from nothing into existence by God the Father. And when he was brought forth, then God the Father put upon him divinity. Now, there's some major problems with that, but that's what they believed. They also believed that the Holy Spirit wasn't a person. He wasn't a being. He was a force that came forth from God. And they believed that because a lot of early Seventh-day Adventists and a lot of early Seventh-day Adventist leaders were Unitarian. The Unitarian religion to this day, the Unitarian denomination movement is a a, a anti-Trinitarian movement. It believes that Jesus is the Son of God, but was brought forth, and they don't believe in a real Holy Spirit. And this is what our church, most of the leaders in our church were. And if you need, we've got to be honest. And sometimes I think it hurts us when we're not, when we try to hide this. But the fact and the reality is that in early Adventism, I'm talking 1863 onwards to about 1910. In 1863, 73, 83, most of early Adventists were anti-Trinitarian. I'm going to read some names to you of leaders who were anti-Trinitarian, following in the Unitarian spirit. You tell me whether you've heard of them. James White. Uriah Smith, J.N. Loughborough, J.N. Andrews. How about this one? Elliot J. Wagner. They're all following the Unitarian, anti-Trinitarian theology. All of them. Some of them until they died. Uriah Smith died in, I think, somewhere around 1910. I don't hold me exactly to that, but somewhere in that area. Until he died, Uriah Smith was a very strong anti-Trinitarian. And He was one of our... And don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking these guys, but he was one of our most uh, well-known influential leaders. And so it's no wonder that the influence of these men still lives on in some areas of Adventism today. I've got to tell you that when God brought forward... When God birthed the Seventh-day Adventist Church, he didn't just say... Here's a Seventh-day Adventist church. I'll put you there. There's a 28 fundamental. It didn't It didn't work like that. Do you guys get that? And so I think it's a, a ridiculous when people say, oh, we need to go back to the faith of the pioneers. Well, God forbid. Did you hear what I'm saying? We don't want to go back to the faith of the pioneers because God led the pioneers and God led the pioneers into truth. And so you've got the pioneers who started Adventism, who started off with being Sunday keeping pork, shellfish eating, hell or heaven after death, believing Christians, God turned this group of motley men through the power of the Holy Spirit into what we have today. And he did it by step by step, taking them to the Bible. And over years, not weeks, over years, over decades, he's still doing it to us today, revealing the truth. And there should be an amen in the church to that. We are a church. That believes in progressive truth. And if we've got something wrong in the past, we don't try to hide it. We look at the Scripture, we're convicted and we change. Hallelujah. And the only thing that's sure in this day and and age is the truth as taught in Scripture. And denominations, including Adventism, need to be constantly measuring themselves by the Scripture and allowing the Scripture and truth to change them if that's what's got to happen. These men made such statements on the Trinity as it's contrary to common sense or it's contrary to scripture or its origin is pagan or the son of God did have a beginning or he was the first created being. James White, for example, referred to the Trinity in 1846 as that old unscriptural Trinitarian creed, Uriah Smith. Defined the Holy Spirit as an, I'm going to get this word right, emanation, as a force, not a person. In 1865, so you're two years into Adventism here, he wrote in a book, Thoughts of the Revelation, that Christ was the first created being, dating his existence far back before any other created being or thing. Now, Ellen White, I would say the most influential and important person. In the founders, amongst the founders of our church. Amen. Amen. Ellen White was a Methodist, not a Unitarian. What does that mean? She was a Methodist, not a Unitarian. A Methodist Trinitarians. The Methodists believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the eternal Son of God. Yes, they do. Do they believe that the Holy Spirit is a third person of the Godhead? Yes, they do. This was Ellen White's background. She never had a lot to say initially. And some say that she didn't have a lot to say on it is evidence of her support for their positions. Now, I can't really tell you what Ellen White believed or thought early on in her ministry because I can't read her mind. I can only read her writings. But I can guarantee you this This is a a hard guarantee Ellen White never ever In the thousands of pages Of millions of words she wrote Never ever once Wrote an anti-Trinitarian statement Not once There are some where you could say She's neutral Or even vague But never once Did she write And never once will you read That Ellen White says Jesus is not God Amen Amen Never once will you read Ellen White saying the Holy Spirit is not a person. Not once, not once, not ever. In 1890, though, towards the end, well, 25 years before she died, she starts to write some telling statements. And I'm I'm sharing this with you because I think you need to know as Adventists what she said. Listen to this, and I'm going to put it up on the screen. There are three living persons of the heavenly trio. You get what she's saying here? In the name of these three great powers, the Father, so three living persons, three great powers, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, those who receive Christ by living faith are baptized, and their powers will cooperate with the obedient subjects of heaven in their efforts to live the new life in Christ. That's a Trinitarian statement, amen? You you can dig through that statement, you can go around it, you can go under it, you can go in it. That's a Trinitarian statement. She further said, and I like this one, the Holy Spirit has a personality. Else he could not bear witness to our spirits with our spirits that we are the children of God. He, using the personal pronoun, not it, he, must also be a what? A what? A divine what? Could she be clearer? No, she can't be clearer. You can't be clearer than that. He must also be a divine person else he could not search out the secrets which lie hidden in the mind of God. Now you Seventh-day Adventists out there, maybe some of you are here in the congregation today. I know some of you are going to be watching this live streaming. Argue your anti-Trinitarian statements, that's fair enough. Hallelujah, amen, amen. Everyone has a right to believe as they want, as they feel convicted. But don't, please don't, and I plead this, do not try and make out Ellen White was anti-Trinitarian because that's not honest and it's not faithful to her work. In fact, it's a lie. And if anyone ever tries to tell you that she was, they're deceiving you because she was not. And I've given you, well, let me give you one more statement about Christ because the anti-Trinitarian will say Christ had a beginning somewhere back in the, Eons of Eternity. Look what she says. In Christ, this is Desire of Ages, her most famous, beautiful book. And by the way, you want to be drawn close to Christ outside Scripture. Read Desire of Ages. Amen. It's a fabulous book. In Christ is life. It is original. It is unborrowed and it is underived. In other words, he is eternal and the life belongs to him. And when she wrote that, 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 that statement in Desire of Ages, it lit the church on fire. And make no mistake, the reason the Seventh-day Adventist church today is a Trinitarian church other than our study of the Scripture and our leading of the Holy Spirit is because Ellen White in 1890 right through until her death decided it was or God drove her or God led her or God encouraged her to the point where she decided it was time that in Adventism this doctrine was unpacked, understood, believed and followed. And we should thank God that he led this woman or else this church would not be where it is today. By 1957 in the book Questions on Doctrine, this is what the church was saying. Oh, well, let me just go back a minute. From 1900 to 1931, you can read our history. We haven't got a time for this today. There was a transition in our church from anti-Trinitarian to a Trinitarian position. Can you believe it? The church changed. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad you're in part of a church that when it sees the truth follows it, no matter what the cost? It's a wonderful thing. It it warms my heart. So from 1900 to 1931, there was a transition. From 1931 to 1957, there was acceptance of the Trinity doctrine in our church. And all I can say with my heart bursting with joy is hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think that boy's going to be a preacher. (sighs) Listen to this statement, and then I want to show you a few texts. From Questions on Doctrines, 1957, this is a statement the church made as to Christ's place in the Godhead. We believe him to be the second person of the heavenly trinity. Amen comprised of Father, Son and Holy Spirit who are united not only in the Godhead but in the provisions of redemption. Christ is one with the eternal Father, one in nature. This is important stuff. One one in nature, equal in power and authority. God in the highest sense, external and self-existent with life original, unborrowed, underived. wonder where they're getting these words from. And that Christ existed from all eternity. Distinct from but united with the Father, possessing the same glory and all the divine attributes. And we should be saying amen, amen, amen. That's a beautiful statement. The Adventist church is a church that believes that Jesus is God. He is God. He's Yahweh. He sits on the throne and it's an amazing it's an amazing theology it's an amazing doctrine we do believe that the holy spirit is the third person of the godhead and that he is god and when he comes inside of you and possesses you you're being possessed of god there's a reason that I keep encouraging you here at New Hope to be baptised by the Holy Spirit because when you're baptised by the Holy Spirit, God comes inside of you. God comes inside of you and lives inside of you. You then become united with Him and powerful You've got God inside of you. You are not God. You have God inside of you and you become Him and you are very powerful entities. And for better or worse, you know God, worse. God could have sent rocks to give the message to our community here in the ponds through to Schofield, couldn't He? He could have, couldn't He? He doesn't need us. He doesn't need this church. He didn't have to put it here. He could have sent angels. He could have come Himself. But he chose through the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, to possess you and with you, he, you and him together are going out into this community and through the power of God and the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit who is God, we're going to change it. And the power that changes it is not us, it's God in us. Do you get the power of this? Why this doctrine is so important? You know, I, I think the evidence that Adventism's changed so dramatically. I was born in 1963. I became a pastor in 1990 on the Gold Coast, a youth pastor. I couldn't find any Bible studies, no matter how I tried. <sighs> I just couldn't pick a Bible study up. I got I got quite worried. Here I am, a third generation pastor. I couldn't even get a Bible study. And so when a couple of JWs, and oh, these are the days when you filled out a report and sent it to the president in fact i think you're still supposed to fill out a report and send it to the president mm, love you michael worker thank you for your grace i haven't filled one out in years should i say that up the front and, and, and kind of you know when you got the holy spirit in you which i had back then you can't even lie even about bible study very embarrassing to to put zero for bible studies you know going to the president and so when two JWs turned up at my door and knocked on the door, I thought, you beauty, here's two Bible studies. <laughs> and I've got to tell you, I marked them down too and sent it to the president and said, I've got two Bible studies. They came for six months until they gave up on me. I thought I was going to win them to the Lord. That, that's how I'm fire for Christ and how, you know, my vision at that age, I, I didn't realise that, 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 that they're very difficult to win. And, and for six months I started with them. I was, and this is, this is how I think, how ingrained... The Trinity by 1963 was an Adventism. I am one, two, three, fourth- generation Adventist. I'm third-generation pastor. My grandfather, he was a pastor at Blacktown and Parramatta. I think which one? Hurstville. See, Liskin knows more about my history than I do. Hurstville. He was a Trinitarian preaching pastor, and he was preaching in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. My father was preaching in the 70s. He's still preaching today, starting in the 70s. He's a Trinitarian preaching pastor. So when I was confronted by the JW's as they came to my door to, 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 to win me to their cause, I even went to their church, made them come to my church the week after, See, I'm looking for a door, but to, to share Jesus. Uh, so when they confronted me with this doctrine and then gave me some scriptures, I was shocked. And it forced me to go back to the scripture and discover for myself what the truth is. Because I, all of a sudden I'm being confronted by this false doctrine. And I didn't know the answers. And I was a first year pastor. And so, so, so I found the truth. And I'm going to share just a, a little bit in a minute with you. But when I heard that it was in Adventism, I was stunned. I could not believe it that the anti-Trinitarian doctrine, with all, with all the guidance and leading we have from our primary founder, other than Christ, Ellen White, who who gives us statement. And, and if you want some statements, you email me, and I'll send you some absolute classics. There, there's at least there'd be a hundred. I'll send you twenty. And I'll send you more if you want. But with all the leading we've got from her, statement after statement after statement, from the Scripture, which is so solid on this, and yet there are some Adventists that are anti-Trinitarian. I didn't get it. And I, I still don't get it. But I want to give you a warning and I want to show you a couple of texts. In 25 years of ministry, I have never once... Now, that's not to say it doesn't happen, because I know it does, but I'm talking my experience. I have seen more than enough people slide into the anti-Trinitarian apostasy. Some of our finest young people at Wurrunga, you remember, got caught up with this and are now leading the movement here in Australia. I have seen plenty of people slip into this apostasy... I have never seen a single person come out. Is that a serious deception?